Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Cars.com, Valvoline, and Goodyear. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Hello and welcome everyone to our MotorWeek podcast number five, coming to you from MotorWeek Studio A. And around the table, we have some of the best brains that we have at Motor Week. Let me start with senior writer and reporter Dave Durso. Hey, John. How's it going? Writer Shamit Choksi. How are you, John? Assistant producer Ben Davis. Cheerio, John. And reporter and producer Stephen Chepnick. Hello. Okay, as we do with all of our podcasts, we're going to get right to it. Ben, we're going to turn to you first. Um, ben is one of the uh, two or three people that really on our staff knows the ins and outs of every car that we test because you see Ben crawling in and out of almost every car we test. 2009 <laughs> Audi A4 Avant, the 09 Audi A4 Avant. Why does this A4, what's different? This is one that would definitely go on my top three so far this uh, this year. Uh, this car is amazing. There's technology and engineering, maybe over-engineering, but I love it. Keep it coming. Sophisticated engineering everywhere you look in this thing, even in the back, hold downs, uh, the sunshade behind the, the rear uh, passenger seats. It's it's amazing. They they cut no corners on this car. It's jam packed with everything you'd expect a much higher line Audi to have in it, um, and a joy to drive. I think the dash is it out of the S five or yeah, that's it looks really, that's really right. similar. It it's very similar. It, the S five is actually based on the same chassis. So so you've got all of the qualities that everybody likes in the A four, which the new A four has just gotten universally great praise. That's awesome. But here we have basically a sport wagon version of it, which is not been the most popular type of vehicle in the U.S., but boy, doesn't it make sense when you drive it? I, ca I can't believe it's not the most popular form, actually. I, I, it's a no-brainer for me. It is a sport wagon in, in right. a sense. It does, it, is, it does handle much better than you would ex you wouldn't ever expect wagons to handle. I mean, they really did put some the of the... steering uh, is awesome. How yeah. when, you, when, you need, when you're in low speeds and you need to take sharp corners, the, the steering wheel, it's super responsive, but it goes light, so it's... It's uh, you can flick it around with one finger, and then under speed, it'll stiffen up real taut. It's great. Yeah, I was very impressed with all the features on the wagon and the looks. I mean, for a sport wagon uh, or an estate, as they would call it in in Europe, uh, it's just a sharp looking car. I mean, you could almost say it looks more like a, a five door hatchback than it does a wagon. I think that that's why they really don't use the term wagon. Yeah. That's what Avant essentially means. It's all in the name, I'm sure. Not yeah. to be a downer, the mm -hmm. only thing that about the vehicle that surprised me was that the cargo hull is a little bit smaller than it was before. Um, even though the vehicle, the passenger room has expanded, the wheelbase is longer, uh, that's the only compromise. So as made. a young father, you would find that a bit of a drawback. I tend to be thinking in that direction these days. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have said this two years ago. I wouldn't have cared. Shamit has uh, one uh, family, has one child, and you got a second on the way. Right. So that's right. that kind of stuff is going to be even more important when you're selecting a vehicle. That's correct. Oh, with two, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. But, but I do think that we got so completely away from the station wagon in this country and with minivans that they, they do have a place. I mean, I've got an, an old Volvo wagon, so... Uh, they're easier to get into than a lot of the taller vehicles. And, and when you combine that with the sportiness like Audi has done and like in the past we've seen BMW and Saab do, they're great vehicles. They, they shouldn't be overlooked. Sure. Yeah. Bring them back. Wagons are cool. 
<laughs> and and speaking of other types of people movers, Dave Durso, um, two vehicles that have come down the pike recently, both of them kind of um, Johnny-come-latelys to um, their segments, the 2009 Chevrolet Traverse, which is a crossover, and the 2009 Suzuki Equator midsize pickup truck. Let's start with the Traverse. Why should anybody care if Chevrolet finally gets a full-size crossover? Well, I think in, in this case, um, some people are just Chevrolet fans, and that's what they've been buying, so they want to be able to get into this big full-size crossover. But uh, more significantly, this is um, GM's trying to make their big crossovers more fuel-efficient. So they've finally equipped them with a direct injection engine. That's a big That's, deal. Yeah, and for a lot of people, if you're if you're a Chevy person and you've been waiting for something like this, it's it's finally rolling in, and it's built on the same Lambda platform as uh, like the Saturn Outlook, uh, GMC Acadia. So it's uh, it's you know pretty much sharing most of the mechanicals with those. It's it'll be familiar to any GM fan. The only downsize for these big crossovers, say compared to something like a Tahoe, is you're not going to get as much towing, right? No, you're not going not quite as much, but uh, it's it's still going to it's ca- quite capable. And I believe that the fuel economy loop that we did on the Traverse, where we got 20 and city and highway combined, that actually was the same as we got with the Toyota with the uh, Tahoe Hybrid. Yeah, it was absolutely for a whole lot it's, less money. It's a solid vehicle. It's very efficient. I mean, and you're not lack you're not lacking in terms of passenger room cargo room seven and eight passenger yeah so they're very it's a very efficient vehicle and uh, i think it, it could actually do very well better than it'll do some of the uh the the truck-based ones that they've been relying on up till now and i know in your report you were talking about some of the aerodynamic aspects of it that they applied oh, to it they have tightened this thing up in every possible way i mean the every every seam every gap has been closed up to try and make this vehicle more efficient. I mean, it's they they put a lot of work into this one. Yeah, we've picked the uh, the Lambda, the big GM crossovers as our top, uh, you know, family utilities for the last couple of years. This just seems to be a new chapter. Any other comments from around the table? Um, everybody had a chance to get in the Traverse. That, rouse, that <laughs> resounding uh, input. Uh, ben? I was muscled out of the Traverse. Actually, I didn't get a share on that one. So. <laughs> I think it's a conspiracy against that me. That was a conspiracy. <laughs> I had, uh, in my driveway, I have a, a Buick Enclave, and I was m- surprised at how much of the Enclave is in the Traverse. It shares most of the body panels and, and some of the interior appointments. But boy, would I like to have that new engine. Yeah, it's it, it's a nice engine. It, they've done a nice job on it. It's a lot smoother than uh, the, some of the engines they've offered earlier mm-hmm. in their uh, in their SUVs. And like I said, it's... It, uh, it, it does do a little bit better. You're not getting a huge uh, increase in fuel mileage, but you're getting a couple miles per gallon more mm-hmm. over some of the other the earlier vehicles, and that can make a real difference on a family budget. Sometimes even that's you know that change. Yeah, you know, all so. of the big uh, crossovers right now are advertising highway fuel economy 24, 25, 26 within right. that, those three numbers, and and that's where this call falls. Let's switch gears to the. Um, Equator, which is Suzuki's first North American pickup truck. It's not really their truck, right? Well, it's really Nissan's truck in a lot of ways. It's a they, frontier. It's, it's a frontier, uh, and it's actually going to be built in Tennessee mm-hmm. on the same in the same plant as the Frontier. Uh, Suzuki got a change. They took it. They restyled it. They added some of their own features. They retuned the suspension a little bit for their off-road package, and they did a nice job. It's a it's a nice little truck. And Suzuki, they've been wanting to get into 
into the truck market. And in Suzuki fashion, they didn't go overboard and go with a full-size truck because I think, they, like a lot of people, they saw that full-sizes were in big trouble. Yeah. So they were able to hook up with Nissan and get this vehicle out there. And um, it's, uh, it offers everything you'd expect. You can get an extended cab. You can get a crew cab. You can get different bed lengths and all that. Uh, so uh, it's got a lot, a lot of choices for the uh, for the uh, um, Suzuki buyer. Now, what do you think about their marketing approach? They're they're telling everybody, well, if you own a Suzuki. Uh motorcycle or ATV, now you've got something to haul it around in. Yeah, so. well, actually, uh, for a few people, that will there will be a connection there. I think uh, more than anything, it just it allows new buyers coming in to look at that and see kind of it gives them a fun image more than anything else. People will look at that and say, oh, yeah, you know, I've had a Suzuki ATV. I've had a Suzuki uh, or somebody I know has had one. And uh, so it gives them a little little different approach, to, a little way to bring the buyer in. But uh, the the vehicle itself is uh, is I think going to appeal to a lot of people. It's not just going to appeal to somebody who's already got a Suzuki mm-hmm. in the garage. You know, Suzuki's have uh, always struggled in the U.S. and that's despite the fact they built some very very good vehicles and they Samurai. haven't. Pardon? I'll oh, bring well, back the Samurai. Yeah, that's. I think that probably <laughs> will be the um, the albatross around their neck forever. That's true. Uh, a lot of people love the Samurai, but it got a, a bad rep for uh, in a lot of the safety quarters. But since then. A lot of their small utilities and cars of excellence, but seems to be a tough sale. They have a great warranty, which, by the way, they will have that. They will actually, I think, have a better warranty on the Equator than Nissan has on the Frontier. Yeah, one thing I was uh, most impressed when I drove it was we got to take it, uh, the RMZ off-road package. Mm-hmm. They did a really nice job with that. It's got their own tuning, so I think it's actually a little. It rides a little better over bumps than the the Nissan does. They they retuned it a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great baseline pickup the only problem is and i hate to i don't want to sound like a hater here but the thing equator hater equator equator hater it was uh it it was stuck in if you guys remember it was stuck in four-wheel drive for a couple of days and i think it took ben to actually jar it out um uh, was it you i don't know who rescued it but um so i you know i didn't get to i didn't get to get a real Mm on-road feel of the of the vehicle Uh, and i'm looking forward to it because it's now going to be a part of our long-term fleet yeah and so we'll see whether or not that little initial problem rears its head Yeah, you could blame that on uh you know press it is in the press fleet which is is not a An not abusive, a delicate bunch yeah it is yeah is people don't realize they 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 like to there's some folks out there that think that when the press gets a test vehicle it's been uh um, shall we say, given the VIP treatment, well, let me tell you, uh, it's lucky. It's got gas in it, and it's usually washed. And I think the, the official <laughs> the official ra- rating is one press mile equals five normal miles. I would say that's so, probably adequate. If, we, if they could put water in the tank, they'd probably try. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of import brands, Stephen Chupnik, one of the first segments that you produced when you came with Motor Week, which is now coming back, is Hot Import Nights. Now, you're the right age and demographics for Hot Import Nights, but give us a, give our audience an idea of what that really event was really all about. Well, basically, uh, Hot Import Nights is uh, it, it's brought over from Asia. Obviously, it's it's the, the, the drifting aspect of driving the young, uh, souped up cars, sport uh, compacts. Sport compacts right? oh. They've been around for at least maybe five to ten years in in a general area here in the states. Um, but basically, it's 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 drifting. It's it's loud, loud engines. Uh, it's it, it's the the audio speakers in in the trunks. It's it's everything that you think. Think of when you think of 
fast driving around a, around a track or, or without being NASCAR or anything like that. Isn't it just the modern reincarnation of a hot rod meet? Uh, yeah, it, pr- it pretty much is with with a with a modern younger younger young, with a younger I think and the kind of cars younger. they drive I think I'm, yeah and, and definitely the cars that I mean you see that you know much the, more of a hip hop atmosphere yeah I mean you definitely 50, see the, as opposed to a f- going to a hot rod meet and seeing hearing a bunch of fifties music I mean Dave you produced the segment mm-hmm. and you've actually had been to a hot import nights before mm-hmm. yeah they're they're very exciting events they really are I mean they they really bring together um, the cars the music. Uh, the youth culture, and uh, and they do a really nice job of getting it together. And this one was uh, this one was a lot of fun. They had a good crowd, and they had drifting, as Stephen mentioned, they had drifting exhibitions, they had competitions, they had uh, uh, bike stunts, um, that sort of thing. Lots of live music, um, some live hip hop artists, and uh, it's a very flashy event too. Now I the mean, one we went to, they go all over the country, obviously. Yeah. But the one we went to was their night shift event, the one, and they did it in Maryland. But Stephen, you've just come from California, where you were living, and I mean, did you feel like you were back at home there? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, even on on the streets of California, uh, of LA, you see these guys going in and out of the, the the highway as fast as they can on the highway with traffic. Um, but you see, uh, you know, you see them all around. And but this was kind of an event where they can all get there and strut their stuff legally, oh, I guess. Oh. Oh, yeah, def- it's definitely legal in this aspect, you know, in this little enclosed area. Um, the one thing that I found pretty neat was this dyno uh, exhibit that uh, people were able to bring their cars up and test out how how much just power see, they just they see really how had. powerful they really were. There's always the everybody's always looking for bragging rights when you start the turbo kit goes on your car or something. Uh, the nitrous goes on your car. Everybody wants to show off, and this is their chance to really, uh, you know, put up or shut up and see who can do that. But without, you know, you're not going out and racing on the street or anything like that. But uh, there's a huge crowd to see that. I mean, everybody lines up to see who's going who's gonna to do well on that. I mean, there's a, like I said, you know, get that slip at the end of the day with the dyno numbers on it and be able to show it off to your buddies. It's going to be a big deal. It looked like one of the most fun events we've covered in years. They they are fun. They're a lot of fun, and they bring they bring in a, a lot of people who get are very very enthusiastic about their car culture, which is nice to see. You know, car culture just continues on. It just it just changes a little from generation to generation, but it, it never dies. Yeah, and that's the wonderful thing to me. I remember some years ago, they a couple of supposed car experts got on. Um, uh, some t- big TV show and said the car culture in America was dead, and I thought, not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> it just changes, and that's the the great thing. We love our cars in this country, one way or the other. Shamit Choksi, yes. your turn. We're going to turn back to four wheels that we've just tested. A car that eagerly awaited, and the car brand, or I should say, nameplate that pretty much has saved Acura over the last uh, dozen years or sure. so. But the 2009 edition of the Acura TL, their midsize sport luxury sedan, what do you think of it? Well, uh, you know, I'll preface it a little bit. I know everybody has an opinion here about it, so I'll kind of open the floor up. But um, you're right, Acura has rested itself on this car. The brand has 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 depended on this thing. This is the flag. This is Acura's flagship. Um, not their most expensive, but probably, but their no. highest volume. Right, and it's fourth generation. It's it's bringing in more power than bef- than ever, three hundred and five mm-hmm. horsepower. But the biggest thing I think is the um, optional all wheel drive system. Um, it, uh, it it now offers SHAWD, um, which it never did before. This and is their, what, what makes their for those that that don't follow the show, their all wheel drive system is somewhat different. 
Uh, it is. I mean, it's it's up there with. I mean, it's compared to uh, Audi's Quattro to uh, to the X-wheel drive system that Saab has. Um, this is. It's a very sophisticated system that um, uh, you know we we've seen on the RL, the MDX, the RDX. Um, they finally decided to put it on the TL. They got rid of the Type S TL. Their mm-hmm. their sport their high version. performance. Right, and instead, what they did was they said, "Let's make the TL more of a handler." Um, and uh, and and that's what we have here: a very, very just sculpted, very uh, aggressive-looking vehicle. What about that aggressive look? Um, I'm not sure if I'm sold on that aggressive look. I think it's a case of they're they're trying to carry that family look over, um, really make uh, establish an identity that I call it the the Acura Shield or the Gladiator Shield. Very yeah. much looks like that. Yeah, yeah, like a coat of arms almost. It might. I think it's a little overdone in this case. A little too much shield up front. It's well, and, and the back end, if you look at the back end, it completely mirrors the front end. I right. mean, it is a, it's a reverse shield on the other side. I mean, it's, it, the Gladiator is the best way to describe this thing. It's, I have it's to a, say, I, I actually like the new TSX uh, yeah. a little bit better. That it is, seems to be what the TL yeah, it's was It's a little before. more fun to drive, I little, think. A little smaller shield. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people, when I mention that to people that are TL fanciers, they say, oh, well, it's only got a four-cylinder. I said, well, you know, sometimes you need to get hung up, not less hung up on the size of the motor and just talk about, you know, how well it goes. Yeah, yeah and the, yeah. the TSX goes very well. It's a lot of fun, like I said. I think the, the TL, to me, is it's starting to feel a little larger. It's starting to feel more, despite their, their efforts to do to you know, as Shamit said, tilted more, you know, performance. I, to me, it's feeling a little more luxury these days. Yeah. I, I had just gotten out of the, the new Maxima when uh, the TL showed up, and I thought these cars are now very comparable, which, and the Maxima kind of lost its sportiness too uh, a couple generations ago. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask uh, just Ben, did you take this thing out on the track? Do you remember driving it on the track? Uh, no, I didn't. It's my understanding. I mean, out on the roads, it takes corners very flatly. I, I mean, we had the the all-wheel drive version and um you know it just uh, it performed well at the track it's a big it handled like a big car sh is the way to go i mean if you haven't driven an sh uh vehicle it's it's amazing it's it's like a a helping it's like your good buddy underneath the car helping you in the corners you really have it requires no uh no talent at all to drive yeah the super handling all-wheel drive actually gives you um some extra rotation on the outside wheel in the corner, so it's helping to essentially push you push. around the corner. Right. And it does that uh, whether you're on the gas or not. So it's a pretty amazing little system. Yep. Okay, so TL basically, I think, to sum it up, is um, an interesting remake. We're not all quite sold on the styling, but, you know, probably if you were a fan of the TL, you'll still be a fan. But, I don't know, you know, TSX is going to give us some competition like it's never given it before. No, oh, definitely. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us for our Motory podcast number five. Once again, it's been very enlightening, a lot of fun. I want to thank Jim Bigwood, who's in charge of audio for all our podcasts, and our producer, Michelle Parker, who makes sure that we're all uh, ready to go when we do these um, entertaining little podcasts. And we'll be back soon with more Motory podcasts. Until next time, we'll see and hear you on Motor Week. 
You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Cars.com, Valvoline, and Goodyear. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.